Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. Great to be with you. And our topic today is teams that embrace rhythms and limits. Teams that embrace rhythms and limits. Really, it could be said uh, teams are made up of individuals who embrace rhythms and limits. But as a team, hopefully you want to embrace them as well because the implications are so large for leadership. So last couple of weeks, we talked about teams that go back to go forward. And that's very critical, looking at your genogram going back three to four generations and how it's impacting your present. Uh, and today I want to really talk to you about this issue of rhythms and limits. It's, it's another one of those core essentials for teams, healthy teams. And again, it, it's so key because of the impact this has, not simply on your team, but on everybody you influence. Because if you, if you have rhythms and you embrace limits, that means you have space, space to be out of what you do. You have space to actually be present with yourself. Most importantly, be present with God and then be present with people and not just be racing through life. You've got space to listen and to hear God and to follow up on things as they occur because you're not rushing and you're not trying to squeeze in you know, 30 hours of work in 16 hours that you're awake. Uh, and you're able to be prudent uh, with your words, because you've got, again, you've got space. So again, let me mention two weeks ago, we launched uh, on our website, uh, these three training experiences for you and your team. And uh, there's three team building modules there. Uh, we talked about Explorer at Genogram last week. And this week, I want to invite you to, to look at Rediscover Sabbath and to do it as a team exercise. And then there's also Crafting a Rule of Life. And you'll see some handouts on there. Go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash team. It's free. Uh, and our goal in this is to get you exposed to actually doing the material, doing this paradigm of integrating theology into your leadership, because we know if we get it into you, as goes the leader, so will go the church. So check that out at emotionallyhealthy.org slash team. So today, as we talk about God's gift of rhythm and limits, I want to base everything I say on a passage uh, from Genesis 2, 15 to 17 as God creates the universe and he creates the first um, you know, man and woman and he creates the garden in which he places the first humans and, and it's called the garden of God in Ezekiel actually. It's God's dwelling place and, and again, it's a gift given to them. They didn't earn it. It's totally grace. Uh, that's why our proper response to all of life is always you know, thank you, gratitude. And uh, they're given a command, as you'll see in just a moment. Uh, to work and to take care or guard the gardens. Let me just read the text before I launch into uh, a variety of ways of coming at this issue of teams that embrace rhythms and, and limits. So here's what the text says. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Okay, so Eve has not been created yet uh, in this account. And so they're given a, he's given a twofold command. First is to work, uh, to work in the garden. So that's why work is intrinsically good. You know, pre-fall, God created us to work. And uh, we will work somehow in some way in all eternity. There'll be work for us to be doing uh, without the fallenness and brokenness of sin. But they're given the, he's given the call to work and then also to take care of or the land, take care of the garden, which really is a word in Hebrew to guard it, uh, you know, against intrusions. And so tremendous freedom here. And so, you know, in a sense, we cooperate with God as we are uh, on earth here in, in, in cultivating the garden, cultivating the earth and working. 
with dreams and science, technology, poetry, architecture, literature, engineering, government, you know, all this is, is sacred and holy and, and we're given great freedom and power to, to work and to do. Uh, and actually, the, if you look more closely at Genesis 1 and 2, uh, they're created to, to um, uh, till the, to uh, be fruitful, multiply, uh, and to, uh, you know, uh, be fruitful, multiply, and let me get the text out here, uh, and to rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, which in Hebrew means to cut a path out of a virgin forest. So we're, we're, we're created in sense to, to, to bring order out of chaos. Uh, we, we work. So whether we're, you're a secretary, you bring order in the office, or in the financial world, you bring order to finances, or you fix computers, or houses, or work with your hands, you, 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 you know, we fix things. And, you know, in church, we create, you know, order, community, beauty. We so everything from cleaning homes to all the different professions to delivering packages to raising children, we we work paid and unpaid and bringing order out of chaos. And we're meant to do this for God and in His presence. Uh, and so it's interesting, isn't it? Before sin entered the human race, humans were expected to work. Uh, it's intrinsic to being human. But here's the key to this text I want to bring out today because it's such an important truth. Actually, this one is this truth has changed my life for decades. And it's really here in, in Genesis 2, verses 15 to 17, because there's two key things to notice here is rhythms and, and limits. They're given, again, the freedom to work. And, and, and again, all the trees in the garden here, they can, they can use all the materials there, but there's one tree they are not to touch, and it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, this limit. And, and the tree, it says, is placed right in the middle of the garden, um, and they're not to touch it. God doesn't give a reason for it. Uh, you know, it's, it's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And uh, are we all, I want to know more. Where does the universe come from? What will it be like? Uh, why was the earth created? What's the human race for? What's the very essence of God? I want to see uh, the I want to see the infinite mind of God and why the world works as it is. And and, and they, they and, and so but there's a limit. God says you're not going to eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I, I like what Augustine once said. He goes, if you understand, it's not God you understand. And Aquinas said it this way. Whatever can be known or thought is less than God himself. In other words, God is incomprehensible. He's inscrutable. He's, he's close. He's here. He's revealed himself in Jesus. Absolutely, we have scripture. Uh, but God is, is so much larger than we could ever imagine. Even all of our thoughts about God are inadequate. That's why Paul writes in Romans 11, uh, as he's you know, expositing in that book, he goes, Oh, the depth of the riches of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. And that's why God always is in principle, he's hidden, he's unfathomable, and we can only know God's mind as he reveals his thoughts to us. And so the tree, as they're working in the garden, they've got this great freedom that they could head on with this issue of stopping uh, and of the authority of God who just says, do not eat from this tree. Uh, and so they're to do and their work, but then they're to stop and they're to trust God and not eat from that tree. And so it's this great theme in scripture of doing and letting go. Doing, letting go, action, and then passivity. So if, if I could you know, use my categories here of there's work and then there's Sabbath. There's action, then there's open surrender. There's engaging, then there's a, then there's a letting go time. Then there, there's a doing, then there's being. There's active, there's contemplative. There's time to press forward, there's a time to retreat. Uh, there's moving, and then there's stopping. There's a time to, in a sense, I, I don't like the word driving, uh, but we're, we're working hard. We're kind of, there's a driving element to it. And then there's a time to just stop and allow. Uh, there's intentionality. 
then there's just simply being attentive. There's times where swimming, and then there's times where it's simply floating. Uh, another image in scripture is we're in the city, we're in the desert. Uh, and, and so there's this rhythm God sets into the very fabric of the Garden of Eden of, of a rhythm of doing and, and stopping, of working and uh, you know, not stopping and embracing limits because it's a this tree is a limit. So at the heart of the of, of original sin, uh, and it was Robert Barron, uh, he's a Roman Catholic scholar, who, who said the heart of original sin, the heart of their rebellion, was a refusal to accept the rhythm. Uh, and again, think of rhythm as, as in all of life is built on rhythms. Nature, think of the seasons are rhythmic. Light and darkness is rhythmic. You know, the sun comes up, the sun goes down. The tide comes in, the tide goes out. Our children, the way they grow is, is a rhythm, right? They babies and toddlers and then they become you know eventually young adults and we let them go and we're, we are hardwired for rhythmic awareness to to be engrossed and then detached to work and then to rest and if you look at the life of jesus and he, he just he obeys a deeper rhythm he would work for the father and he would you know stop and go to a quiet place and pray and uh, we so often fear the world's going to fall apart if we stop we're so indispensable and and uh you know because i'm never finished with my goals and projects and and the point is God's taking care of the universe. He's in control. He's the Lord. Um, and the challenge is that I like to control, you like to control, and we don't like boundaries. And, and But there are boundaries and limits to which we, God calls us uh, to bow to. And I love Proverbs 26, 2, where, where it says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. You know, Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. There's something about life that remains hidden, and we bow to it, and we mystery, and, and it's a mystery. Uh, you've probably heard me use this phrase in the past, but the uh, in the Gospel of John, 98 times we're called to believe in Jesus, to trust him, it's, and it's always in the present tense. It's the whole goal of the Gospel of John. I'm actually in this in my quiet time, again, in my morning prayer, and uh, I love what um, Bruner, his commentary on, on John, says, Relaxing in Jesus is a good modern translation of trusting in or believing in Jesus. It's the goal of the entire Gospel of John to create this relaxation, out of which comes trusting uh, that we really desire to be commandment seekers. In other words, the source of keeping Jesus' commands is actually to trust Jesus, ongoing trust like breathing in his divine love. And so I just love that. And so, so Adam and Eve are meant to, to embrace the rhythms and trust but Satan puts in their mind, God's holding back from you. He's ruining your life with these commands. He's not your friend, but your enemy. You know, run from him. Do it yourself. And, and then they, they grasp uh, they grasp that tree unsuccessfully. They choose not to trust. They get suspicious of God. They get afraid. They get anxious. They cross the boundary. And it's just so powerful because the issue of rhythm and limits uh, in your life. And, and I have to, I, every day I've got to embrace this, not just every week and every month and every quarter and every year. Uh, it's every day of the rhythm of my being and doing, my stopping and going, my embracing of limits, and my seizing and my moving ahead. Augustine defines sin as as sin is is caved in and of it, on itself. It's caved in inside. In other words, like a black hole, it sucks us into itself. And um, Dante in his uh, Divine Comedy, it's funny. He he has he, he has such insight. He puts Satan in the pit of hell. And it's, it's not burning. It's actually, he's actually, Satan is frozen in ice. He can't move. He's weeping in all six of his eyes. His angel wings are now bat wings. And he beats the air furiously, but he can't go anywhere. And sin is this refusal to listen. It says, I'm the center of the universe. It's self-absorbed. 
uh, because we're built to listen. And, and God's serious to uh, Adam, and he says, you will die if you eat from this tree. Uh, and again, they don't die immediately uh, because they do live, uh, but they do die. And, and so it's interesting. You, you, you and I, we have, an, we have enormous power given by God to be alive, to serve him. And we have a vocation to be in leadership for him, which is an enormous privilege. And, but there's a limit to that, and there's a big limit to that. And when we grasp and cross that limit, we, we violate rhythms and limits around us, we end up in bad places. We end up in the enemy's territory. All kinds of consequences are released that are negative, uh, even if they apparently look good. And we're still bearing the consequences of Adam and Eve crossing those limits, violating those rhythms. Uh, you know what it's like. I mean, just take a moment how easy it is to grasp for, for things that look like they're going to bring us life, but they end up killing you. Uh, you know, everything from, you know, grasping for our children, if you have children, to get to the best schools and pushing them. But it's really fear-driven, uh, and it really leads to death, not life. And, uh, you know, again, I think it's just the ministry. It's just so easy in leadership to be pushing um, because, you know, we're afraid it's going to fall apart and we want things to go so, so well. So, and again, it's so often coming out of unresolved issues in our family of origin, of fear, of looking bad, of anxiety, and we end up just overdoing it. And my goodness, this is how often we've had scandals for decades and decades of, uh, because we just we can't stop. We just keep going. Uh, and people say things, nutty things like I'll rest when I'm in heaven. And so for now, I'm just going to be working an 80 hour week. And we've got enough history behind us of people who's uh, exhausted and burnt out and have taken months or if not years to recover. Um, and I've just done it so often myself where I've, instead of embracing rhythm and limits, I've pushed. And I can think of adding a, a, a third service a number of years ago to trying to push a ministry. And I, 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 the anxiety in my own body. Uh, and again, it's driven underneath by fear. Maybe God's holding out on me. I love Psalm 73 where, you know, sometimes we can look at people prospering and we say, God, you know, where are you? And, and the writer says, it wasn't until I entered the sanctuary of God that I understood. Again, it wasn't until I stopped, embraced rhythms that I understood. It's easy to have a willful Christianity versus a willing. A willful, like I, I got it, versus willing surrendering to love. Genesis 2.15, when he takes the man and puts him in the garden and calls him to work it and take care of it, uh, and says, you're free to eat from anything in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That principle is, uh, I think, one of the heart issues of the Christian life for all of us, and especially for those of us in leadership. Because God has destined us for great things and for heaven to a beautiful life, but it does require we trust him in his goodness. And uh, Jesus, of course, our second Adam uh, in the desert, he joyfully and willingly embraces the limits of the Father, and he doesn't grasp he doesn't violate the limits of, by performing the three miracles at the, or at least obeying Satan's temptations to get it all now. And he models for us what it means to be a, a human being in the Holy Spirit. And this is the spiritual warfare in our lives. Uh, it's really found in Matthew 4. It's grasping, you know, you are what you do, or grasping, you are what others think, or grasping, you are what you possess. And that re there's something in our rebellious will that uh, in all of us are disordered. Uh, will that doesn't want to stop and doesn't want to surrender. But yet part of being an image bearer, you're made in God's image and I'm made in God's image, our best self, we were made to actually embrace rhythms, embrace limits. And so that's why 
we need a, a weekly rhythm. And I know of no other way to begin to get a leader in particular, or really anyone, to begin to slow down and embrace limits and rhythm like Sabbath. Because Sabbath, of course, it goes back 3,500 years, but it strikes at the heart of spirituality. It's surrendering to a rhythm that I'm not, I wasn't not made to go seven days a week. And that God uh, structured into life this, I work uh, six days, my paid and unpaid work, and then I actually stop and rest and delight for and uh, contemplate him I, uh, for a seventh day. And I surrendered to the rhythm. And um, you know, I, I love that rabbis believed and, and that since people were born and died on Sabbath and the world was sustained on Sabbath, it was understood that God worked and did not rest on Sabbath. God was, a, he did not rest on Sabbath. That's why Jesus says in John 5, my father is always working. Or he's still working. Our only God does unceasing work, not you. Uh, not me, that we, we relax. That's why Sabbath is so critical for us and uh, that we begin to embrace a 24-hour period each day that we we model, we, we slow it down, you know, for that. And again, I want to encourage you, look at that team experience at emotionallyhealthy.org slash team on uh, Rediscover Sabbath. But we need also a, a, a rhythm in our lives in, in, in a broader sense as well. And I think of, uh, you know, daily rhythms, Things like daily offices, which I consider mini Sabbaths, uh, not just pausing morning, but midday, evening, and maybe three, four times a week, kind of like Benedictine spirituality. Think of Mother Teresa, how she required three one-hour blocks of time per day for all of her uh, workers under her if they were going to sustain their love for the dying long term. Could you imagine three one-hour blocks a day, a stop uh, for prayer? to sustain their work. Again, a rhythm of limits and rhythm. Needs were enormous, I'm sure, in Calcutta. They pulled away. I think of Francis of Assisi, he had, if you read his life, he had a rhythm of leaving the cities to be alone with God for days and sometimes weeks at a time. Catherine Doherty, who helped develop Madonna houses, uh, where members spent three days each week alone with God in, in what's called pustinias, which were the Russian word for desert, then four days out serving the people. It's another fascinating model. But the question is, what kind of rhythms God inviting you to? Not, you know, Sabbath is, I, I would consider, the core starting place for uh, every Christ follower, especially for those of us in leadership. Uh, but then we need a daily rhythm, what that looks like, and then quarterly and, and yearly. And I, I would argue as well, sabbaticals every seven to eight years. And I pray, most of you are young listening to this podcast, and uh, I pray that uh, if you're doing this vocationally, and you're going to be in this for decades, that you build into your life every seven, eight years a sabbatical for uh, three months, uh, four months, that because you need to step away uh, to be, uh, to rest, to embrace rhythms, uh, because you're in a long-range work for God. Uh, listen, we all need the inner solitude that rhythms provide. Uh, listen, so many folks are trying to be, quote, good Christians without growing in genuine love for people. Which is which is who people who are difficult for us, you know. We're chasing insights and experiences without inner solitude to be, and we need that to be present with our others and ourselves. And that's why, listen, so many folks are popular uh, and quote look effective in church, but they're lousy human beings. It's just easy to do because we get so busy and crazy. That's what we've got to embrace. Um, embrace our uh, limits in that, and so. This issue, just a few words about limits here, and uh, uh, because limits are coming to you and limits are coming to me to uh, somehow get us to slow down and pause and reorient ourselves and remember God in everything that we're doing. 
Uh, but limits are you know, there, there's limits and limits coming in so many directions to you, from your physical body to your family of origin, marital status, married or single, intellectual limits. You've got gift limits. You only got how many talents. You don't have all the gifts. You've got material wealth limits. We've got uh, you know all work and relationships are unfinished. They're, they're marked by the fall in Genesis three. So they're all got a certain element of frustration built into work and relationships this side of heaven. The raw material God's given you, your temperament, your personality artistic, your thinker, your high feeler, introvert, extrovert. I mean, these are all gifts, but they're limits. How much time you've got to live on earth, uh, you can't do it all. Tremendous limits. I mean, I'm, it's interesting aging uh, because I, the issue of limits gets even stronger as you get older because you realize the limits of time and that at any point God could end this thing. And, and of course, our spiritual understanding at this season of our journey, wherever you are in your journey, is a limit. Uh and, uh, and our God's in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. Psalm 115. It's a lot of mystery there. So, But it's really so helpful, a little motivation for you to embrace limits and the rhythms that God has for you as you seek to discern what are your rhythms. How much? How, how do you need to live your life as, as a, a leader, as a Christ follower, so that you're le- leading out of a cup that's overflowing? That's the question. And it's going to be different for each of us. And uh, But the the embracing of limits requires a, a trust. And so, but there's two biblical truths about limits that I have helped me over time to embrace them because everything in me wants to cross them. It wants to just violate them and run right through the red light. Um, and the call of Genesis 2, 15 to 17, the call that was given to Adam was, and then to Eve was to surrender to limits. Uh, and to receive these limits as a gift of God's love. They're just God's coming disguised as limits because we think so negatively of them, right? We think, you know, uh, you know, we think, we think limits are just bad and, you know, we want to cross over them. And, and, uh, but listen, just, you know, I, 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 I know one financial advisor that worked with millionaires and talked about how the worst thing that a millionaire or multimillionaire could do is give the children all the money and no limits on their cash. It destroys them, you know? And so we put limits on children to not, you know, jump on the train tracks and, you know, not do drugs. And But you know that if you overindulge your children, you're going to do them damage. Uh, produces grandiosity. And and uh, it's just not healthy for anybody growing up to have a life where they get everything. Just think of your, your life. If you got every prayer request you ever prayed, uh, if God said yes to every prayer you've prayed, it'd be a disaster. Thank God he hasn't said yes to all of mine. And, uh, and I may be imperfect in setting, in setting limits for, say, my, my children growing up, but God isn't. And uh, he knows how to give good gifts to his children. Uh, but something deep inside of us is broken by limits. Something is purged. Something's pulled out of us. And I'm, I'm going to just simply call it our willfulness, our, our immaturity, our stubbornness, our need to control, our arrogance and pride. That when God places limits around us, they, they change our DNA. God infuses himself into us. And, uh, you know, I, I think of Abraham and Sarah. Why did God allow Abraham to wait till almost till 100 until his, Isaac was born? And Sarah, you know, 90. I mean, why? Especially in that culture. And yet he's, a, he's such a faithful follower. And, uh, you know, but they, I, I just, he, he, God made him the father of nations out of that limit. And limits break us like little else in life. They, that, that's what changes us. And I think of Jesus saying every branch that bears fruit God prunes that it will be even more pr- fruitful. And just, I think of a chopped up bush, you know, and limited, ah, and then, but that, that's going to bear so much more fruit later, but it doesn't look very good through the process.
So they purge us. They, they, they break us. They, God uses it to pull something out of us through limits when we embrace them. But the second thing is these limits teach us about his goodness, uh, that, uh, that there's no other way to, to, to learn them. But in this moment of like, this doesn't look good. Uh, and some things you can only learn from experience. You can't learn in a Bible study. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, Adam and Eve are to trust, them in the, trust God in the garden and trust him that, that God's, good, God's good. And even though it looks like he's not because he is holding back on, from them, but they're to wait and trust his goodness. And uh, that, that word of, you know, God puts them in there to, to, for a purpose in the garden, for a probation, for a testing. And, uh, and it's so interesting that the devil comes in and as a serpent, and, it, and it's interesting, one of the words for devil is uh, he's a splitter. His goal is to split you from Jesus, split you from the love of the Father, to stop you from doing what God's called you to do, to break off your relationship with God. And right there in Eden, uh, and, and he twists God's word, and he clouds confidence in God's goodness. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree of the garden, you know? And he said, you won't die, and... And he undermines God's authority. All these limits God's putting on you. He's not good. And he's unfair. You have rights too. And, and uh, you know, he, he challenges God's word. He paints a falsehood. He distorts reality. And, and in fact, the devil portrays God like God's the devil. And uh, it's so tricky, you know, and as if God who is light and love, it's like the devil portrays him as darkness and hate. Uh, you know, you'll never reach your full potential in God if you embrace these rhythms and limits. Are you kidding me? And Adam and Eve, like us, they get attracted to that voice. And we've got the entire culture feeding into us uh, from, you know, social media to news to magazines. And, and then they make a decision. You know, Eve makes a decision based on reason. You know, it looks good for food and pleasing to the eye. And then and, and, and she crosses over the limits and she eats and then she pulls Adam into it. And, and uh, see, limits... Demand that we trust God in his goodness, that his love endures forever. The problem is we don't trust people because we've been hurt by people and been hurt in life. And who hasn't been betrayed and hurt through the hard blows of life from family or maybe friends? And, and you know, I mean, Judas didn't want to trust anymore Jesus. And he got impatient and he pressured Jesus to cross limits. Uh, but he had, limits had not purged him. Uh, and they sure hadn't taught him experientially that God is good. But the core of the Christian life is that, God, you are good and your love endures forever. And I trust you. And, and, and so it's this, these limits force us to just, they break us, but they also drive us and teach us about trust. Because this is true faith, is, is leaving the world in the hands of God. And I like what John the Baptist said, a person can receive only what's given to him from heaven. Uh, you know, 1 Corinthians 4, what do you have that you've not received? Everything you've got is a gift. And so, yes, and so we, 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 we trust him. We embrace our limits. We, we don't try to go crazy by overworking. Uh, we actually embrace a rhythm in our days and our weeks. Uh, uh, and we embrace rhythms and we embrace limits. And we trust God that he does miracles in our surrender. So we surrender to this miracle working God. And we always know that he does loaves and fishes, right? We give a few, if I just have a little bit, I offer a couple of loaves and fish and somehow miraculously God multiplies them and feeds thousands. Or this mustard seed faith is going to somehow move a mountain. Or you know, still 12 disciples, really 11 that were left will change the whole Roman Empire. And Moses at 80, a bad speaker, is going to boom, you know, liberate two to three million Israelites. Hosea out of a bad marriage is going to be a great prophet or... David, a young man with a few smooth stones, is going to kill Goliath. And I mean, scriptures always got these images of, of this look, look so small and limited, 
and God does amazing things. So let me ask you, as we close this podcast, what's one major limit God's placed in front of you? And how, is he, how might he be coming to you through that limit? What's one major limit God's placed in front of you? And then what, what rhythm invitation is before you? What, what maybe fresh rhythm invitation does God have for you? And if you haven't started with Sabbath, please start with that. But I want to invite you to surrender to your limits. I, I like one definition of humility I read years ago. I don't know who said it. But it was humility is knowing your limits and getting the help you need. Knowing your limits and getting the help you need. So again, thank you so much. I want to encourage you to, to go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash team. Check out these, uh, that Rediscover Sabbath uh, team building module. And uh, I, I give, we'll do a whole big teaching on Sabbath, give you some, some nice handouts to talk about it with your team uh, and think through what it might look like to begin to integrate slowing down for rhythms and embracing limits for you as a team. Because you understand if we don't do it first, as goes the leader, so goes the church. The people that we lead don't have a prayer to embrace rhythms and limits if we don't go first in it. So we want to be able to say to people, follow me as I follow Christ, that you can actually trust God uh, with the rhythms and embrace them. And we offer a gift to the world out of being a counter culture. Thank you, everybody, so much. It's been great to be with you. I pray you have a great day and a great week. God bless you.